Morning. This podcast has stories of real life events and true crime that happens every day. These stories may contain adult language and graphic or disturbing details not suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. Another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. And we are surprise live again. Uh, Like I said, if you follow us, we go live for some of our episodes, and here we are. With Uh everyone's favorite background investigator, Ken. What's LA Background 13? What is happening, Ken? Uh, It's it's a great life. It's been been a wild ride these last few weeks. Uh, Yeah, especially it's, it's gotten pretty... Oh, it's been rough. I mean, we just had one up here. Uh, I don't know if you saw it on. It, it wasn't national news or anything, but it it was pretty heavy up here. It was a 36 year old copper clears a call and then strokes out in his car. They did so they, sad. He didn't clear the call, and so they did a roll call. Nobody. He didn't answer. They went to his last known location, and uh, a fella who's been on the show before, a friend of um, myself and friend of Chuck's. Wow. Uh, and friend of John's was the first one on scene had to start CPR. Um, yeah, that's fucking so it's, rough, it's, dude. It's been, yeah, it's been like that for a lot of places. <laughs> Have you gotten your cardiologist oh. appointment yet, Tom? What cardiologist appointment? <laughs> you need to go to a cardiologist. You need to have a cardiologist. You need to set an appointment. <laughs> yeah, you no, I have checking that. your shit. Start with my GP. That's where I start. So, man, I'm. Uh, Tom, I'm filling your room there, man. It's like, I feel like. Oh, I'm, yeah. Yeah, so cool. I want to get a, a, a bottle of, of cheap wine, like a $1.50 oh. wine. Uh-huh. And just kind of cruise with some 70s <laughs> music, you know? You know, it's funny. It's, it's actually over. So if you see right over my shoulder right here, this right here says LAPD. Um, if you're watching on the show, that is the recruiting poster my dad drew when he won the LAPD recruiting poster design contest as a 17 year old student worker. Wow. So, student yeah. work is going way back. Yeah. <laughs> so my dad was in the police explorer. It's actually when he, before student work, he was an explorer and his explorer advisor said, Hey, there's you, you draw Rob. Cause my dad drew the comic strip for Taft high school. Right. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you san fernando valley rats you know where taft high school is uh drew the the comic strip he's a police explorer so his explorer advisor says hey you draw you should draw the you should draw for this contest i've told the story in the podcast before but uh my dad turned it in one right so his drawing was hanging up in all the stations and all the all the places for lapd recruiting and uh he had a copy of it and he had the framed copy and that was my whole life that's what i saw was this copy of it well, my dad retires, moves, takes his retirement job up in San Luis Obispo, California. His old Explorer Post advisor had moved up there when he retired. They ran into each other randomly, and he says, you know, I got something in my garage for you. Hmm. And he pulls out the original artwork that he still had Oh my gosh! from the day my dad turned it in in 1967. Wow. And he gives it back to my dad. You know, I mean, my dad retired in 90, 30 years later. He gives it back to him and says, yeah, I've had this. It's yours. You can. And so my dad gave it to me because at that point I was on the job. And so he gave it to me and I've hung in my house ever since. So for people that wow. see that, that's why a when little bit your, of history. When was your dad on the job? So explore till 71 and then uh, 71, I think he went through and came out in 72 so like it was i think january february of 72 that he came out of the academy uh and then he retired um well he did 25 so 97 um and uh yeah he he did the last 10 at uh the emergency operations center but prior to that had been at hollywood and 77th and foothill and everywhere but this isn't the my dad show this is just <laughs> that's good that was back when there was only like how many divisions were there? Well, I'll tell you this. My Mine dad my dad graduated the academy in the exact same uniform and kit as one Adam 12. So a gun in the low ride swivel widow maker, wow. one <laughs> pair of handcuffs, a stick, 
two dump loaders, oh, a was Bruce he, did Brown, he get, and a call. Did he get hired on when <laughs> when Van Nuys was basically the division for the Valley, like all of it? Uh, he he came on, and I think uh, did he get to watch Foothill be born? I think he, yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Wow, yeah, dude, that's crazy. That's fucking wild. That's back when he they were still like like orange trees and farms in L.A. Yeah. Yeah, he's you know, he saw Star Wars on duty at the Chinese theater. He just walked into the back of the theater and stood there in the back of the theater watching the whole movie on duty because (laughs) he worked. He was on a foot beat in Hollywood (laughs) and there was there was no radio to bother anybody in the theater. That's great. He he didn't get a rover. He didn't get a handheld radio until probably 84. That was what the Astro. I dude, I don't know. It was the. They called it the rover, you know, rover. remote out of well, I mean, emergency yeah. radio. Did the Astro come later? Because they still, I don't I think know. they still call it a rover. I don't, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's tradition to call it a rover. Yeah. The rovers came out, they were out, they were out in uh, 80, but they didn't roll them out to everybody. And had, it was slow. So they had to by division, and some had them and some didn't. Yeah. And what was the Astro? My dad was already in, I think he was in IAD when they started putting radios or he, he was at Metro. Right. And then he was wow. at internal affairs after Metro. Or he made Sergeant went out to West Valley and then went to IED. So by the time they were putting handhelds on everybody, he was probably in the kit room at West Valley handing out stuff. That's when I was a kid and I was handing out radios and shotguns <laughs> to the guys from the kit room. I was like four, four or five years old and they're at the station. I'm literally handing out guns and radios to people. And my dad's just like, good job, son. <laughs> Different times. Oh, man, they would lose their yeah, that agency would lose their shit now if they had a kid in there handing out gear. Oh, yeah. oh my God. It was so good. He's like, what the fuck? Like, I, you know, when, you know, shit. There's so many other things that you couldn't do now that he did back then. (laughs) Yeah. That was when Metro was on the beat and release program. (laughs) Beat and release. (laughs) Anyway. Well, uh, here we are. Some crazy. uh, It's been a crazy week down in Southern California, uh, which is, Ken, uh, for the people who don't remember or haven't been here in a while, why don't you tell everybody where you're from and 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 how they can find you? Well, I was on LEPD from eighty to eighty to uh, two thousand three, and then I I was in backgrounds part of that time, and then after I retired in two thousand six to two thousand eighteen, I was at, at LEPD backgrounds. I retired up to beautiful Washington State in twenty eighteen after thirty five years with the city, and now I do um, police applicant. Uh, consultations for people who want to get on the job at policebackground.net. And uh, it, let me tell you, I know a lot of people that swear by uh, Ken services. And if I had, if I knew half of the stuff that Ken has forgotten about being a background investigator, <laughs> I could get a job anywhere as a background investigator. You could, you could. <laughs> anyway, that that's, I mean, you may not have written the book, but you certainly did the first appendix. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Still, still working it. So we have the, yeah. also the podcast, the police applicant podcast. If you Google it, um, you can find it on Spotify and Apple podcasts and stuff. So we're all over the place. Perfect. Awesome. So, uh it's been you you've been posting some stuff uh we just start with the the biggest story from down south is uh the los angeles county sheriff's department had uh four suicides in one day of department yeah four suicides that's uh i i mean i know they weren't all active i think there was one retired Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I'm going to yeah. tell you right now, a retired, retired suicide sergeant. can still hit um, because then you start wondering, you know, was I there enough for him? When I mean, shoot, I'll take Ken back. You've seen, you've seen the new Centurions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you want to see a, a snapshot of a time period of police work that includes some truths that still survive to this day uh you know watch a movie where a cop is an active duty police officer and then retires and the cops that 
he was so tight with only the week before forget all about him completely and leave him by the wayside and he's got no wife he's got no kids he's got no nothing and by the end of the movie spoiler alert he eats his gun because there are so many cops that make their entire life about the job that they have nothing else at the end and i'm sure ken you've been on even longer than i have you can probably speak to that having seen it more times than i have yeah, I mean, there's. It's just part of. It's part of police life. If you're going to be a police officer, you need to know up front that there you're going to have a lot of people that commit suicide, and um, it's it's not something that should be hidden from people, but nobody ever really talks about it. But um, yeah, if you're going to be a cop, you're going to know people, or you're going to have friends that have committed suicide. Right. Yeah. In good it, portion. You're going to know people that die uh, through felonious means and by tragic means and then by their own hand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I've got friends that have been shot and killed. I've got friends that have been in car crashes and killed. I've got friends that have been in car crashes and will never survive. And then I've got friends that have killed themselves on purpose and on accident. Right. Yeah. Shit. I was working when, when we lost a cop. The day that happened in your like, division that was no no, no. Oh. um different adjoining area our mm-hmm. agency but adjoining <clears throat> and we immediately had to drop what we were doing and go help and take over and the next day we were t- took over their whole area because everyone was all fucked up and there's people we worked with that they knew this this gentleman and um the sad thing is that the boot he had in his car survived and then uh, a few years later, I think it was four, no, five, six, five or six years later, she mm-hmm. died from those injuries. Oh, wow. It's very sad. Um, and then, like, you, so when you're, when you get in law enforcement, you're like, oh, you know, it's never going to happen to me. I'm never going to know. And then it happens. And then a lot happens. And then you just see so many people, especially if you work at a large agency. If you work at a smaller one, it's going to be a lot less. But if you work at a big agency, it's going to happen way more than what you want and you're going to be touched by it eventually um and probably more than once it's very rough it's very mentally taxing yeah well like they say there's two kinds of motorcycle riders in this world right those that have gone down and those that will go down right well yeah there's two kinds of cops in this world those that have seen friends die and those that will see friends die right and correct the 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 timeline or anything is ultimately going to be zero because it's going to get to that point where it happens, right? It's just either you're either before it or after it. Um, And how many times will it happen? Right. Um, I thought I was done worrying about my friends and everybody who's listened to this show knows like I, I was one of my trainees and I never thought to imagine like 10 years post retirement, one of my trainees would buy the farm and it would hit me so hard, you know? Right. Um, yeah, I had I had a trainee at Backgrounds, and um, he we worked together. You know, I trained him to do backgrounds, and so I spent a month with him. And then when he was at the unit, and then a few years later, after I had retired, he he came up in the blue line as a he had died, and mm-hmm. I said, "Oh, let me call up and find out, man," because this he was young, and right. so I called up the watch commander, and I go, "Hey, I trained this guy." And backgrounds can you tell me what happened and she goes uh he took his own life and i was i was in shock uh, to to find out that information but it's just one of those things where you go you know you work with these people and everything seems fine and then the next you hear about them they they committed suicide and it's yeah. just it's not an easy thing and i was going to say that also that you know with cops you hear you know, you see a bunch of crap you shouldn't see. Cops nobody see things. Should. Yeah, nobody yeah. should see it. But you see stuff that that you see stuff that's multiplied compared to what everybody else would see <clears throat> that you should right. not. And with when it comes to suicides, you know, you're going to be walking down the hall and someone goes, "Hey, did you hear about so and so?" Yeah, they they killed themselves, and you like, and it hits you really hard. You know, it's like someone just 
dropped a, a boulder on your chest. And then with yeah. cops, what they do is they'll turn around and they go, wow. And then you go eat lunch. Right. Yeah. They just brush that shit under the rug or they, they shove it down deep inside. And then they find other things to, uh, you know, um, accompany their brain or whatever, you know, and, and just occupy their brain. And then next thing you know, down the road, something happens where you're off of work. Maybe you're taking days on the beach or <clears throat> you're injured, you're laid up or you're retired. And then now the quiet time sets in and all those friends that you had, because face it, when, when you become a law enforcement officer, a police officer, you will have a lot of friends when you work. But then when you retire or you're injured or something like that, a lot of those friends are even on days off. A lot of those friends, you don't hang out with those people off duty because they're in different parts of the county, the city, you know, because a lot of cops don't work where they live. So right. they're spread out. You all the same division, but you live on different sides of the county. Right. And the only time you were talking to those people is when you're at work because you see them so frequently and when you're off, right. like you just want to spend time with your family. So you really don't have those connections outside of work. And then next thing you know, you're you're laid up or you're whatever and it's quiet and you don't have anyone to really talk to you. And next thing you know, all those thoughts start flooding back in because you didn't deal with them when they happened. And everyone's right. guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. I know Tom is. I know Ken is. 100% because we're human and we're not and we're not machines. We're not invincible. And these are just emotions that we suppress and every cop does it because yeah. there's too much bad shit that, that we see. We don't want to remember. So we suppress it and then it, but it comes out eventually and it, it happens at the worst time. And I was actually speaking with a doctor and um, she goes, yeah, cops, they, they, most of them have PTSD. And, um, and I was kind of describing some, some things that were going on and she's like, that's fucking PTSD, dude. I was like, no shit. So like, yeah, I was like, oh fuck, dude. Like, I had no idea. Like, whatever. Okay, that's right. weird. So you're gonna, get, and that's the thing. It's what it, we've talked about this on the show so many times. The worst day of someone else's life is our Thursday, mm -hmm. right? And right, we don't. You know, we internalize so much, right? Uh, that sometimes um it's funny my wife will show me stuff right and most of the time it's whatever like either it's stupid and i don't care or if it, it you know it's silly and it's funny or whatever but she she watches police videos like i do and she she monitors social media probably more than i do because she likes that stuff and she didn't see it all the time uh so she'll show me stuff and occasionally i'm like oh, why would you sh i don't need to see that stop let's i we don't what and i realize my tolerance has gone down for that in my age where because i i got plenty of it and now that i've had a break from it if i see it again i'm like no i no don't drag me back there like i don't uh-uh no that's dude that brought up something that reminded me in roll call after my shooting i had just gotten back and another shooting had happened and they're like, let's watch it in a roll call and, you know, debrief it and what fucking went wrong. And I was like, I'm going to step the fuck out. I'm good, guys. I don't need to debrief this. I just out. fucking went through it. I'm I'm good. Let me know when it's done. I'm going to be down um, getting getting gear or right. I'm going to be down in the in the, the watch printer's office because I'm stuck inside for a little bit. So, yeah. <sighs> Makes me feel bad about the video I just sent you, too. The video you just sent me yeah oh <laughs> i was like did you see this <laughs> yeah you took a 12 I, gauge to the face there are times when people send me stuff and i go yeah cool and i thumbs up and i don't watch it because i kind of know where it's going i don't know Ken, have you have you found yourself to be more avoidant or because some people dive in some people they miss it so and they keep going down the hole and they just it's like that they they miss the poison right they they and and then other people are like, eh, whatever about it. And it doesn't come into play. You are embroiled in it for a living to a certain degree, like we are. So where do you find yourself falling on having to follow this stuff and be aware of it? I, I mean, it, it doesn't bother me when people, I guess I'm a little warped in that sense. But if someone sends me a video, are you talking about that one with the truck, Chuck? 
the the shotgun oh, in, the in the truck in the truck yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that one was um th- for me that was like good shooting yeah good shooting man that was yeah. wicked good yeah and it doesn't yeah. bother me but i have to measure myself when it comes to things like riots and stuff like that where i can't really immerse myself in rioting and things because it brings back the ptsd things but um i can watch like police shootings all day long yeah and so it's funny is i'm my wife will show me shootings and most of it's like yeah like i'm indifferent it's and to me there that indifference is my level of like that's that's a brokenness too right is that i can be so indifferent to a human being losing his life but at the same time i know what that human being was that was a that was a viper that was a scorpion that was a goblin right and it is what it is like i have gotten so desensitized to that it doesn't bother me like you however i find myself with um people doing dumb shit that like accidentally kills them that's where i've like i'm like you know stupid people like or or somebody getting run over in an accident or you know plastered all over the side of the road i'm good right like have to if it's a really like if you're telling me hey this is what happened when this whole neighborhood got together and took out this pedophile they ran him over the steamroller that i'm fine with but if it's like oh my gosh do you see what happened to these poor teens who were driving this car and no i don't i'm good yeah i think i think i've had my fill of those ones or or the the active shooter that goes into the supermarket and just smokes a bunch of innocent people buying groceries right that right. one got me i was like I'm, i can't i fucking can't right. I, I was like uh, that's uh, the I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. watch it if it weren't for this type of podcast. Ken is the bad police work. Mm-hmm. I I only watch it because of having to talk about it. But right, I don't. I really don't like watching bad police work. No, and there's some videos out there that I get sent, and I'm like, wow, right. And you know, coming from LAPD, even going back in the day, but certainly it checks time too where the tactics and things like that and sometimes when i see these videos i'm like wow what did right. that hurt to watch yes yeah yes there are some where i we've talked about them on this show sometimes where i'm like either you're an idiot or you're a coward right and right I, it's so <sighs> the one we just watched with the guy just yelling he just poured gasoline on me and i'm like you and as he's running away from you first of all you just told him in the, the store hey just wait here while i go put out the fire you idiot right those kinds of things that that level of bad police work makes me angry yeah. because then i start to associate it with getting me hurt or killed right and i've right. worked with enough of those jack wagon coppers that i've got four at gunpoint copy so-and-so's in route to back no no i'm code four i am code four you just said you had four at gunpoint. Yes, but if that's who you're sending me, I am fine. I do not need his help. Or Send me her. someone else. <laughs> yeah. Is and someone so working? Because I, I I need them. Well, that's that's when your good partners, and this is boys and girls, be a good partner. That's when your good partner picks up the radio and goes, I'm closer. I'll take the handle on the back. And then the other guy goes, how do you know where I'm coming? It's, I'm Trust me, I'm closer. I'm right here. And he's like halfway across town. But he's rolling code to back you up. Because me code six, Doctor Pepper. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I, did you guys ever see the? You ever see the one uh, where the uh, where the copper jumps on the hood of the car, and the car starts rolling, and he's oh. got his gun out. I've yes. seen it a few times. Yeah. It's like I don't TJ know. Maybe, maybe I'm a dinosaur. Maybe I'm a boomer, and I don't like. I wouldn't do that, but. Okay. Just jump out of the way. Why would you hop on the car? Now yeah. you're you're leading yourself into bad tactics into a yeah. shooting. Yeah. And um, now when you're when you get into that shooting, you're fucked. And it's gonna be out of policy. The shooting will be good. Everything else is gonna be out of policy. Mm-hmm. We've lost Which a bit of perspective bad. on what like I, I I've heard some pursuit policies that other people have said are kind of you know pussified. And yet when I hear it, I'm like, now I, I get it, right? Like I, I that makes sense to me. Right. Like right. there's sometimes where it's not worth your own life, let alone the 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 innocent like nah, you know, and I get it. 
But when it comes to just bad tactics or being a freaking dumbass, if you're TJ Hooker, if you're, you know, I, I, no, uh-uh, that's it makes me angry. <laughs> it you just know what I makes. Would, I would say to that is that is that police work isn't fun anymore. It used to be fun. Oh my gosh, it did used to be fun. I I yeah. kind of explained old school police work to some people that didn't understand what old school policing was like. And in some ways they were like, Oh, can we go back to that? You know, I was explaining like in the days when a husband couldn't be arrested for domestic violence, unless his wife filed a private person's arrest and pressed charges, right? It was a misdemeanor not committed in the officer's presence. They couldn't arrest unless the wife wanted them arrested. That was the old school way of doing things, right? So the cops had their own old school way of doing things. They would take the husband outside and tune him up real good and tell him, if you touch your wife again, we're going to come back and do it to you twice as hard until you get the message. And these women are all like, really? They would do that? I'm like, yeah, because they couldn't arrest the husband, but they knew the right thing to do was to get him to stop hitting the wife. So they said, you want to you want to fight? You call us and we'll come out and oblige you every single time. <laughs> right. And she's like, that's so much better. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> duh. <laughs> oh, anyway. Yeah. But <clears throat> so, Ken, one of the things you've dealt with and one of the things you've talked about, um, you shared on your social media kind of a duh moment. We've been talking a little bit here about what it takes to be a cop and what she what what you you know have to um put up with right um as the wife of a cop or as a cop what you see or what you bring home as you said that's what you signed up for you signed up for a job we're going to see this crap and call it thursday right so to that end you posted something and i was kind of interested in how this even came about this was a local news station and far be it for a local news station to publish anything factual about a local police department. Mm -hmm. right. uh, so that alone caught my attention in your post was that you were saying that somehow a local news station got it right. So what did you, what did you end up finding that we can share with our listeners? Cause this was kind of surprising. Are you talking about the Fox 11 one from yesterday? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, Gina Silva, who works at Fox 11, she did a news story after the four sh uh, sheriff's employees had had uh, killed themselves, and she did a really extensive story on it about what are the causes, what happens when a police officer feels like committing suicide, and and you know taking us down that road. And they interviewed a mom who started a uh, foundation when her son when her a deputy son wanted to commit suicide and one of the things he didn't but one of the things that they came up with was all these the list that you're showing and how yeah. the job how the department abandons cops how cops are afraid to go to um to talk to anybody because they're afraid they're going to lose their life uh, i mean they're um they're going to lose their jobs and all these types of things but these this list was was on there that they put and i thought this is something that nobody ever talks about. But look at this list here, man. There's right. so much pressure on cops. So I'll read uh -huh. it out. I'll read, I'll read them line by line. And you you can tell me, you know, uh, tell me your thoughts. Because I, you're right. It is As I looked at your post, it is a shockingly accurate list, right? So for those of you not watching this live, uh, the mm -hmm. first one is trauma of the job. Well, I mean, duh. Right? Right. Like, yeah, and just spent can can just spent like ten minutes waxing poetic about all the terrible stuff we see. So, yeah, but yeah. how many people actually talk about it? They don't. No. They don't talk about it. And and even back in my day, it was unusual to hear anything about PTSD or the stuff that you saw or what you were feeling. And I'm finding out today, today they have they have mental health stuff but cops still aren't talking about it. And after 2020, after the George Floyd thing and all that happened, then they decided they were gonna say, you know, this thing with cops killing themselves, it's an epidemic. 
I'm like, cops have been killing themselves for decades, man. But all of a sudden, it ramped up after 2020. Coincidence? <laughs> yeah, right. Not at all. Lack which of brings us to number two, lack of public support. Yeah. Which, if you don't think that cops can feel the lack of public support and take it personally, uh-huh. you're fooling yourself. It means yeah. a lot. Mm. You know, um, the mm. older I get, the more I understand Jack Nicholson's speech in A Few Good Men. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. <laughs> right. Uh, family or financial troubles. Well, that'll get anybody. But it's especially so for cops a lot of times because divorce, divorce. Right, it's hard on your marriage, be, it, being a cop and cop's wife. So now you're get divorced, you get a new wife, you get another set of kids. You know, mm-hmm. right now you got two, two, a Check wife, next wife, <laughs> four sets of kids. Right, you're raising a litter. Right, but that's you know, for those of there's veterans out there that know this. Right, you know, like you get your first marriage when you were in the military and then that didn't work out and then you got out of the military and you were in recovery and you met a good woman and you got married and you know, she's great as a veteran's wife. <laughs> you were shit mm-hmm. as an active duty husband or she was shit <laughs> as an active duty wife. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, those kind of family breakups can create financial trouble. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the fact that cops are notoriously terrible with money. I can point to countless <laughs> boats and motorhomes that will you know attest that will attest to that fact uh this i like this yes. one injuries yeah. on the job yeah I mean, yeah how many times have you said i don't want to be the potato chip right i don't want to be the i don't want to be the weak sister i don't want to be the one they're saying is farting and falling down right i'm good coach yep and you you tough it out for a really long time. You'll get injured. You'll work on that injury, and you'll just say fuck it. And then when the pain's enough, you're like, okay, maybe I should go out for a little bit. And then you know, and then you get ostracized for doing so. Yeah. So you don't want to go out, right? Which is so there's which like is dumb because everybody that's out there doing police work is going to get injured. There right. are if yep. you if you go to the California uh, industrial page or whatever it out i forget what they call it but the labor page where it talks about presumptive injuries for cops oh, cancer yeah. heart uh digestive tract problems um back injuries are assumed after wearing a gun belt for five years that yeah. is iod yeah there all you yeah. have to do is put a gun belt on sit at a desk your whole career and you have an iod back it's gonna happen you're gonna get yep. hurt mm-hmm. yeah. it just it's a question of how hurt and how soon, right? Yeah. I, a buddy of mine and I have one of the same injury. One of our injuries is the same. And another uh, person I know as a cop has the same, right? Different stages of our career, different levels of experience, different mechanisms that caused it, but it's the exact same spot, exact same injury. Yep. So. Yeah. I, Backs yeah. are fucking rough too, man. Well, like once every your back goes, is an expiration date. Yeah, and then once it like starts to go, and you're like, okay, but once it really fucking goes, it it becomes painful every fucking day, and I can attest to that. I mean, it's you'll have days where you feel, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, I think I can, I think I can do this, and the next day you're like, what the fuck, and it just sets you back, it like kicks you right in the nuts. It's it's tough, and again, <clears throat> when cops get injured, they don't want to be injured; they want to keep doing the job. They they join because they love the job. The only thing that they don't like is their command most of the time or the city they work for, or, you know, the lack of support back to lack of support. But I see this far too often on the city side where it's, it's, they don't want to even treat you. They would rather um, like not treat you and say, Oh, that's not service connected. That's not service connected. And they just keep shoving off until finally you're like, like, Oh, okay, it is. And then you get the treatment. But now by this time you're a year into it or six months into it. And you're you're struggling to, to just get treatment when they could have just said, okay, you're injured, let's fix you. Invest well, the money they've already invested and fix yep. you and you're back on the job. And when you go out, they shouldn't be ostracizing you and being like, oh, he's a broke dick, he's a piece of shit, yada, yada. And I shit you not, that is the mentality of 90% of the police departments in this country. They will treat their officers that way. 
and it is it's not cool and i've seen the the opposite side with fire my buddy is a fire captain um for i think visalia i think it's visalia fire he fucked up his back on duty on a, on a call he immediately had surgery within the next few months was out for six came back to work back went out again he's like fuck i have to have another surgery doc says i have to do this they said okay go get it done within a year and a half he had two surgeries and was back at work you yeah, don't see that in law enforcement well so i was going to say this you do see it you do see this in the veteran community and in the firefighting community what i think changes is the agency and the the way like the leadership because that's where it all stems from right good leaders say give me my good people you know heal them up so shout out to the firefighters and the veterans who know the va and the work comp system are just the same for them <laughs> as they are for the cops because we all are that same bullshit is for you guys as for us so i don't want anybody to think that we are just going oh poor police officers we're so no 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 yeah. the big green weenie the big blue weenie and the big red weenie right just <laughs> pick your weenie the you fucking know, red rocket right, the red <laughs> rocket the the blue bomber and the the green weenie i don't like they're all the same right i always say the chief's like i got your back and i say yeah no i know chief i can i can feel you there right behind just you. spit on it this time <laughs> please you know one um, thing one thing i ahead. tell i tell uh people want to be cops is that police age in dog years and people don't, <laughs> people don't understand that right. and mm -hmm. then you know if you look at the like the sports programs for for cops if you right. are if you are um if you have 20 years on the job you are in the senior class of right. sports for police department and you're thinking a 42 45 year old is in the seat that's the high that's the oldest class yeah. you can be in for sports but why at 40 something years old you're in the senior class because yeah. cops age so quickly cops age like hockey players yeah <laughs> it also depends on how much of that was and both have to pretend they're not hurt yeah <laughs> yeah unless yeah. you work the front desk or something oh god right, and, exactly. and then that's the thing you don't want to be the house mouse no you don't want to sit there taking desk reports counter reports no sir uh-uh <laughs> i'll just as soon as home and play xbox that's when the selfishness comes out because you're like i don't want to be ostracized anymore i don't want to fucking be you know uh the the house mouse bitch doing all the fucking uh you know reports at that whatever comes to the front you know you work at a large agency you're getting a lot you're getting like 10 fucking reports a day maybe five depending on if you can brush them off or dispo them or whatever but some days are really busy and you don't want to do that so you're like fuck it i'll duct tape this bitch back together and that's where the selfishness comes out <laughs> that's where you're like i'm gonna bubble gum this shit back together because i don't want to do this shit i would rather be out in the field i'd rather do this and it's not safe and it's it's not safe for you your partner or the the the, the civilians that you're protecting and you have to recognize that and I think it's taken me a long time to, to recognize that, you know, it's, it's a maturity thing, I think. Um, but the all selfishness will always be there because you don't want to do that. You don't want to be stuck inside and, and micromanaged and all this shit. You don't want to be free in your car. And then if you work patrol for fucking longer than five years, a lot of agencies, big agencies, Cops will do like five years and they're gone somewhere else doing specialized units, whatever. And they get a fucking break. And those are the dudes you see. They're like fucking 40 and they look young as shit. And they're like, oh, I'm spry. I'm fucking doing this and that. And then you see the dude who's been on patrol for 10 years straight. And you're like, whoa, that's a difference. You're the same age. Yeah. What happened? Well, so then you have feelings of abandonment after injuries, which I thought was incredible that they put this on the list because that's a that's huge, huge thing where you're like, well, that guy's fucking hurt bye right they, they not only do you feel abandoned but you actively feel persecuted right because if you're squaring down the barrel or staring down the barrel of reti possible retirement they nobody wants to touch you you are you are contaminated you are a freaking rotten potato that can do nothing but give aids to other potatoes right as far as <laughs> they are concerned and then if you're legitimately injured and just trying to rehab to get back to work, they're like, go tell the doctor you're fine and get back to work. 100%. Yeah. Right. And then you 100%. got, you got city doctors. You can go to your own doctor or whoever 
and they go, yeah, this, this person is 99% disabled. And if you go to the city doctor, they go, yeah, they're fine. Right. Yeah. Go back to Dude. work. You know what's yep. funny is I think I told Tom this, but Ken, when I, when I had my, uh, my, my last knee surgery, which was a, a big, massive one. <clears throat> I was sitting there and I think I had just gotten out of surgery that night or is the next day. <clears throat> and I was sitting there and I got my phone rang and I was all fucking doped up. Right. And that's when the, the, the mouth muzzle, that thing comes right the fuck off. Right. You don't give a <laughs> fuck what you're about to say. And it was the watch commander from where I work. And it was like, Hey man, you've been out at IOD for a while. I was like, yeah. He's like, um, so like, when are you coming back to work? And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> he goes, yeah, you've been out for a long time. When are you coming back? And I was like, <laughs> I started laughing at him. And I was like, listen, man. I was like, I just had fucking surgery today. Um, I'm not coming back for a while. This is my second surgery. This is a massive surgery. I'm not coming back for a while. He's like, well, how long? I said, well, recovery is 18 fucking months. Mm-hmm that's recovery i don't know what like that's what the doctor told me so i'm not coming back anytime soon but and i, I don't know what to tell you uh he's like i didn't even know you were out injured and i was like well maybe you should look at that before you call me <laughs> maybe that's a good idea and i was like fuck this is a watch community and my brain's like shut the fuck up shut the fuck up shut the fuck up the whole time <laughs> but i'm like how 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 bad are you how bad at you at your job are you sorry how bad at your job are you for you not to even look up or talk to anyone or maybe reach out to anybody and see hey this officer's out but why is he out and then maybe like hey how you doing man you feeling better you just had surgery oh you had another one okay cool that would be a better way to start a conversation than hey when are you coming back to work and then the moment i told them i was like i just had surgery that's when gear shifted tone changed in his voice he in in instantly got that well I'm a supervisor and became a dick right off of the bat. And I was like, damn dude, like this is how you treat your employees. Well, I don't right. even, I've never met the man. I don't fucking know him. He was new and I get it. You're new, but Hey man, if you're new at your job or you're new at the, the area that you're working, maybe get to know the employees and get to know the ones that are out and get to know the reason why that they're out before you call them and ask them when they're coming back. Cause it's kind of insulting when they're doing their job, trying to protect and help out the city they work in. And they got injured doing it, and now they have had their they're on their second fucking surgery. Yeah, it's just it, it's sorry, I'm getting off my soapbox for a second, but <laughs> god dang, dude, it's just that lack of fucking support. It's just I don't know, and I'm always Chuck's, been allergic Chuck's to getting, Chuck's getting some stuff out right now. It's I'm all angry. right. Yeah. But and I gotta tell you, and I'm gonna this this one dude right here. If you look in the comments, Shagadelic Punk, this man right here. Yeah, this man right here, that man is probably the most solid dude i know and he never let uh let me just sit by the wayside he always called me and talked to me and made sure i was okay which is which that's a partner right there tom i don't know how other it's agencies handle it but lapd and chuck knows this out of medical liaison if you if you're iod they have a unit out of medical liaison their sole purpose is to run surveillance on iod officers mm-hmm to see if they're gaming the I mean, system. Other people don't have those units, but I would imagine an agency with 10,000 coppers. Uh, and hey, I'm going to tell you right now, I've seen yep. yeah, 8,200 right now, probably, maybe less. <laughs> uh, this guy retired and took a big payout, bigger than I got, right? And then they did some checking and they determined that he maybe wasn't as disabled as he thought he was or said he was. And they, he got a big fat bill <laughs> saying you're going to be, you're lucky. We're not prosecuting you. Thou shalt pay back this much. And they don't, they're not fucking around at some of these big agencies because they have been through the ringer. They, you know, for every one person gold bricking that they catch, Right. There, how many other ones don't they catch? Right. But which is unfortunate for the people that actually need the help, which is why good. The only thing, the only yeah. people that hate bad cops more than the public is good cops. Right. That's sweet. If you're a gold bricker. Yeah. The problem is, is, we're not, 
we're trained to now think everyone's a gold bricker. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about the cop who's spending time with his family, you know, going and doing things. You know, he's off work, but he's not dead, right? He's injured, but he's not fucking dead and he needs to get out and do things, right? We're not talking about the dude who's out there with his family and trying to do things. We're talking about the motherfucker who says he's out with a back injury or or like that's just the most common one. I'm just going to pick on backs, even though my back's fucked up. <laughs> and it's a back injury. And this dude's out there snowboarding and he's out there skydiving and he's doing dumb shit and, and stuff like that. And then posting it. That's the people that we're talking about. The, key, the clear public abuser who's doesn't give a fuck. He's like, oh, I got my shit. I'm going to go out and do this. Right. We're, we're, we're talking about those people. We're not talking about the one who's just like, yeah, I'm just trying to like take my family out to the beach or, you know, and you just sit with them and, you know, take them out in the, the trailer or the RV or whatever the fuck, you know, go camping, you know, right. gl- glamping, I should say glamping <laughs> um, and going in on, on little mini vacations and things like that, because you're trying to do things with your family. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the people who are clearly abusing the system. Yeah. So now we've also got lack of financial compensation, lack of support from superiors, which I think we've covered pretty well in our last segment. Um, but forced medical retirement. Uh, I could tell you straight up that I would not have retired when I did if I had the choice. Uh, you know who did have the choice, though, was my agency. Because they could have handled the situation in a much more positive way that would have started process sooner enabling me to get back sooner and not creating a situation where regardless of whether or not i got well i would never have been able to go back to work for them which is ultimately what ended up happening is my relationship with the police department became so adversarial that the only options were go back and be a pariah which couldn't happen right Uh, and it couldn't happen for they it was it would have taken more time than they were willing to give right they they were at a point where they're like we want a decision well and you could extend me no make your decision make your choice well that's not much of a choice right so when when they talk about being forced to medically retire once the once the agency sees that that's an option and they don't have to extend you a good agency would be like oh we value you. We're going to extend you. But most agencies, all right, GTFO, because yeah, the less time we have to have you on the books, the better. There should be a caveat, a little subsection to forced medical retirement. It should be there. It should be right underneath it. It should say, uh, dicking around those who, who, who have to medically retire and their doctors are like, yeah, we're not releasing you. And then the city is like, or the workers comp is like, no, we're going to fuck with you even more and we're going to fuck with you longer because they want you to quit because they don't want to pay out. So that was the other, that, that was the, here's one of the weirdest things, right? The department had to keep paying me until my retirement kicked in, right? The amount of time, if the department, I could honestly tell you, if my department had handled the situation properly from the jump, by the time I collected my first actual retirement check, it was within the window of when my doctor was saying I probably could have returned to work. Hmm. So instead they medically retire you, but that sets an entirely different clock that they're going to still have to pay you. Now they'll get reimbursed by the, the retirement system. And then ultimately I'll start collecting my retirement, but that still took, that still took almost a year or more than a year. Right. And so I was at like two and a half years. Well, that was in that window that my doctor was saying yeah you you probably would be good to go but they didn't handle it right treatments and whatnot you know no, so was, oh good no i was just saying so the when when they say forced you can say well you had a choice no mm-hmm. like you there is no real choice and in uh, california um it i don't know i'm not sure about now but it used to be where you had a year of iod time and then after you've after you spent that IOD time, you um, you went on state rate for workers right. comp, and who can afford that? <laughs> no one, uh, no I fucking mean, no one, dude. Right. Fucking absolutely no one. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so they kind of they 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 do it like they don't care. You know what? 
and it goes back to those who can't afford it. It goes back to, um, uh, where is it? Where is it? Uh, family or financial troubles, because then they start having to use credit and then they max out their credit and then they're fucked. Right. Mm -hmm. And lastly, a lack of sense of self after retirement. Oh, oh boy. You guys can speak of that, right? Like, cause you guys are both retired. And so like the lack of sense of self, like I'm sure at one point it hit both of you, but what did you do to combat it? We did podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, I'm being I'm being cheeky, but to a certain extent, this kept me connected, and I'm sure Ken feels the same way. Yeah, I mean, I didn't um, when I retired. I I it it was a long time coming, but I was like, yeah, that was good. That was a good time. I had a good time in the department. I didn't. I didn't. My life wasn't the department. And I didn't hang out with cops all the time. Like, that's my thing, man. That's and there you go. So when I retired, I didn't even think about the job. I retired and then I stayed at home. I thought I was gonna sleep in for the rest of my life. And then after <laughs> three years, I got bored. It's amazing that's why how I went, quickly that happens. Yeah. And I went back after three years to to work at backgrounds. But other than that, um I I I guess I'm baffled sometimes at that particular one because to be so wrapped up, like you were talking, Tom, about the uh, the centurions mm -hmm. or the new centurions, yeah. and the guy that sit he's sitting at his table and he's an old old copper and he spent his whole life being a cop and that's yeah who he uh, was. And, Scott. Yeah, yeah. So he blows his brains out because he has no life. Right, and it, it, what the scene before it? If you haven't seen the movie, go watch the movie. You, you might be hard pressed to find you know, Tubi or one of the weirder channels might have it, but. Um, it's it's an older movie. It's a great book uh, by Joseph Wambaugh, who was an LAPD copper. But in the scene right before he smokes himself and he eats his gun, he's at the station in the middle of the day, wandering around the station house, trying to get anybody to talk to him. And they're all going, "Hey, good to see. You. Oh, uh, yeah, we got uh, we our shifts just. Oh, I'm doing follow up. Hey." Oh, it's always, yeah, we should go get it. We should get to, I'm totally going to come by. Oh yeah. Yeah. Da, da. And they just keep going and it happens so quickly. And he just ends up standing there by himself in the station where he used to feel at home. And now he feels nothing but loneliness. Right. And so that's this, right. literally the scene right after that, he goes home and he eats his gun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's, man, that's, that's very realistic. Yeah. Um, Ken, did you ever get or hear of, because I know it made the rounds at LAPD just from the guy who told it to me, is an old school LAPD guy, probably came on a little bit before you, uh, the condo in Redondo speech? I do not recall that. So it was a man by the name of Greg Dossie, and Greg ran the arrest and control unit at LAPD for a long time and then became a police academy coordinator at the academy I went to. He was a, he worked the job at the same time as my dad. My dad knew him. Dossie would give the young recruits from at, at some point, it probably started when he was an FTO. Uh, he would give the condo in Redondo speech and it became pretty well known. And it was, have your eyes set on something after retirement. Mm -hmm. Don't be just the job right have your plan for when this job is over and don't surround yourself with nothing but cops have friends who knew you before you were a cop keep those Ooh, friends don't isolate it is hard but you know what i have matt i have marco i have matt i have marco i was able to keep like we we there were times where we weren't necessarily talking for you know but we tried to at least keep that some semblance of a relationship and that brotherhood and keeping those people, whether it's somebody you served in the military with and, you know, Matt, like I said, Matt went to prison and I went to the police Academy. We couldn't see each other for a long time because he was on parole and I couldn't associate with him. You know, there's, there's all these different things that can keep you apart from somebody, but you can still keep tabs on, you know, your brothers, the, the guys from easy company band of brothers. If those of you have seen the documentary, when they found out one of their fellow members of Easy Company was homeless and alcoholic, they flew to where he was at, dragged him off the street, showered him, 
moved him, gave him a, like gave him food, gave him money. They rehabbed him out of alcoholism into a job and into a successful life post World War II. That's wow. that's how we're supposed to look after each other, right? Yeah. Check on your buddies that are home IOD. Remember, they miss you. Like you may you he did. They haven't forgotten about you. So I just thought that 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 was really real because i lost friends i had people straight up text me and say you're faking this whole thing just to get a pension and these are people that like fuck dude they were my friends to the point where i one of them i introduced to his wife right i was like hey check this out this lady's my doctor she's pretty cool she's single now you're pretty cool and he tried to tell me later oh you were never a good friend to me and you're faking this all for a retirement and it was it was at the time it was so devastating because i had thought of this guy as a brother Mm-hmm. and it, there's nothing I can do 10 years later but go, eh, you know, his fucking loss, right? But that yeah. part of that happens to way more people, firefighters, veterans, they separate, all the guys in the unit are still in the unit, boom. You know, whether it's for medical reasons or whether it's just their time, right? check on your buddies. Yeah, part of part of what you said was important about not becoming the job. You know, one of the things about men is this is what I heard is that (laughs) men's identities are tied up in their jobs. You know, but with cops, you cannot become the job cannot become you. You, I mean, if you you have to know ahead of time before you even get on the job, you will not be a cop at some point. Right. You either retire, force medical. You could get dead. There's all kinds of things that can happen, but at some point you're not going to be a cop. So when that happens, you know, what's going to happen. You need to have a plan. Yeah. Ahead of time. Know what your condo in Redondo is. Yeah. You know, and I think that when going through the Academy, I think there's a lot of misinformation that being fed to the recruits because they, they say this, this was told to me, this is not a job. This is a lifestyle. And I'm like, well, I, I get it, you know, like whatever, I, I get that. But I always try to not be a cop 24, 7 When I'm off, I'm off, you know. And I was always trying to find friends outside of this because, you know, it was it was tough. And then I'm not going to get into my story, but a lot of things happened, whatever. Anyways, but that was just what was being told to us in the academy. Like, this isn't just a job. This is a lifestyle. You are a cop, not 12 hours a day, but. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Yeah, carry your, your badge everywhere because if you have to do something, you're going to have to do something. You're not just a cop like, on duty or you can put yourself on duty. And blah, blah. Yeah. And I've we seen people, we buy into it. We are superheroes. Yeah. There's dudes who, who go off duty and then they take their radio and they they, they listen to it all the way home because well, something that, pops off. They're going to go respond. And I'm like, what the that fuck? Was never off, dude. Turn, oh, boop, turn that shit off, dude. Yeah, I, Dude, we had a guy go in fucking pursuit of a car broadcasting over his radio, cutting off Ugh. black and whites because he's primary. He's, like dude. this dude bought into that shit so hard. And I'm like, oh, this is fucking wrong. Oh, my God, this is bad. Like the dude is in pursuit in a, in a challenger chasing a fucking a G ride or some crazy shit. Well, Ken, as we're, what the fuck, as we're closing out, I got a little surprise for you. Yes. 1982, the MX 350. (laughs) (laughs) That looks familiar. Does it look familiar to you? Yeah. That brick. Oh man. That's (laughs) those are big radios, man. 1982, the MX Motorola MX 350. For those of you who've seen Ghostbusters, (laughs) you know what this looks like. It is a giant brick of a radio, which is, you know, is a good stand-in for an impact weapon whenever you need it to be. Just <laughs> yeah. for the record. That's and, funny, you know, man. Old school police. Dude, I've seen that thing in person. It's legit like. Dude, it's like 14 tall. inches tall minus the yeah. antenna. Yeah. <laughs> then you <laughs> add the antennas another like 10 inches. Dude, in 1980, I went on a ride along out of the academy to Hollenbeck Division. Uh-huh. And they didn't have radios at all. Uh, but there was what the, the unit that I was riding with the the P3s they had a, a handheld radio and you remember the old 
the old war movies with the walkie-talkie where the guy had it was like this yeah. big the big green thing it was one of those man mm-hmm. it was shut up no way radio <laughs> oh my gosh yeah well anyway wow. I appreciate you coming on, Ken. Uh, we have to have you back because I have questions about backgrounds that I want to get answered. Like I have answers. What we should do an, an update segment the, of backgrounds, new age backgrounds, and recruiting because obviously all that stuff has changed. But yeah. I want to yeah. know, like, like in this in the spirit of of my friend's wife getting uh, her psych overturned, I want to know some of the things that you've seen overturned. Um, just over the years, that. whether it's you or, or not, whether you're like, yeah, don't hire this guy. And they're like, no, we're going to go ahead. <laughs> and you're like, are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure? Are you sure about that? I mean, <laughs> I feel like you're sure, but you don't look sure. Right. Oh, and I will tell you, I'll, I'll check around. You let me know ahead of time. I, I know, I know I could talk to people and they go, yeah, give me some stories and they'll tell yeah, me some yeah. stories. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, we want to hear some of the, or some of the stuff where they you DQ'd them and, and the they're like really that you did what? <laughs> yeah, like because I I have a story about a guy standing up. They did the D they did the background questionnaire interview where they were like, okay, gather us all in the same room and hand out the background packet all at the same time and give us the captain gave us the you better be honest speech because we'll you can get fired for lying and so we won't even hire you if we found that you've lied about one thing right? Mm-hmm. Gave us that whole speech. The guy stands up and goes, so. What if it wasn't illegal in the country you were in when you did it? <laughs> Doesn't work for me. Uh, and, the, and the cat was like, I'm sorry, your name was? <laughs> yeah. Don't come so, back. Uh, yeah. So I, I want to I wanna have you back to talk about that. Also, uh, you, um, you've been on a podcast that I just did uh, an episode of called Things Police See. Yes. Podcast. Steve Gould. Good friend. Steve, good friend. Steve's a good dude. Uh, I no, like we, Steve. We worked backgrounds together back in the day. Oh, did you oh, wow. at the same agency? Yeah, yeah. yeah Fairly okay. PD backgrounds. That's where we yeah. met. He, I know he's back east now, but yeah, right? he decided he was going to go to his roots in uh, Massachusetts and be a cop there. And um, um, we were doing the podcast. I think we did podcast after he went back there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, we had some good times. But that is a good podcast. Well, I I hope so. I've just finished it, so yeah, I'm, because no. you're on it now. It's a good podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I watch for me, and then Chuck's uh, going to be on there. And Chuck, then we're I go. Yeah, I'm going on on a uh, uh, Saturday. Yeah, morning. Cool. Uh, and they don't air. They don't air the same day that you record them. So no. I don't, you'll have to look at their schedule uh, coming up, but uh, they, uh, the, the Steve over at the things police see podcast will have myself and check on, and then he will be coming on with us. Um, he has, we've asked him to come on and share some stories on war stories. And let me tell you, um, should be next week. There is no other podcast that dovetails as quite nicely into what we do as to what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, w- I will say this, um, that uh, he also wants to come on the locker room because he is he's he didn't know about our midweek show where we get into shenanigans and current events. So I think if we're going to do two episodes of his show, he's going to have to do two episodes of our there show. You go. There and we'll you have go. to put him on War Stories, and then we'll have him uh, jump in on the locker room. So yeah. uh, look forward to that because that should be yep. coming pretty quick. Uh, and other than that, Chuck, what do we got to? Kind of take us take us out. Well, hey everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, please follow us, like and share, subscribe, all that stuff. Um, hit the like and bell notification so you'll be notified every time we go live. Um, things like that. Um, share stuff on on um, on all the like, what is it? YouTube. Please <laughs> like and share there so they help that. Uh, so I've had a couple of beers. You might help, want to help this. help that stuff. You know. Anyways, I sound like Joe Biden right now. Hey, but please, <laughs> thank you. Follow us uh, on Instagram, uh, Facebook. Our Instagram is at war underscore stories underscore official, and our Facebook at war stories podcast. Please like and share all of that. Click the link in the bio. You can get all of our socials, our media. Uh, you can go to their YouTube channel, our website, which is www.warstoriesofficial.com. You can grab some merch there, and then you can also get the uh, mailbag or the booking email. 
the booking email is where you go if you want to be uh, featured on the show. And if you think you have a story you want to share, warstories at gmail.com. We're always looking for veterans, law enforcement, firefighters, medics, but also corrections, dispatchers, and nurses. Thank you for the support. Stay safe. Yep. So I think that about does it. Ken, thank you for coming on. And yep. uh, remember to do all the stuff Chuck said on the social medias. Until our next episode, come home with your shield. We're on it.